Great show for you today. Crossover with Brad Rowland of Locked on Hawks. Talking in-season tournament, the battle of the guards, all things ahead of Tuesday's big game in Cleveland. Let's get into it. You are Locked on Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more right now. New customers get $150 in bonus bets with a $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com backslash locked on to get started. I'm Chris Manning. That is Brad Rollins. Brad, go blue. Go blue, Chris. I actually forgot that this is sort of tied to an area that probably does not love that sentiment. So my apologies for wearing my Michigan shirt on the on the on the YouTube broadcast. But hello, Chris. How are you? Go blue. It's it's a, I, I'm doing great. I, is that also a big house photo behind your head? Is my it question. is, and it, uh, Hawks Hawks fans are baffled by that. But uh, look, I needed a, I needed a background quickly, and it worked. So and I like Michigan. So apologies to everyone in Ohio. Look, it's okay. There's a, there's there's some Michigan fans here as well. And there you go. Uh, as a, as a, as a graduate of the Ohio University, not the Ohio State University, <laughs> uh, I do sometimes enjoy watching Ohio State fans lose their mind over Ryan Day. But check out Locked On Buckeyes and Locked On Wolverines if that's what you're into. We're here to talk about Cavs Hawks, Brad. To me, the first thing about this matchup that stands out, aside from the in-season tournament part of it, which we'll we'll talk about that later. I I think the battle that excites me about this game is. Defense, which has improved of late, but on the year hasn't been exactly where it was last year, versus Atlanta's offense, which this side of the Indiana Pacers has been statistically the sec- has been the best offense in the league. It's been awesome. So, if I ask you, what has been the catalyst of Atlanta's offense being as good as it is? Yeah, I mean, this is a team number one that's built on offense. Like they, you know, much as you uh, as you would expect a team that's scoring the way they are, they, this is a roster built for offense. Uh, when your best player is Trey Young, when your system is built around Quint Snyder, that's kind of the basis of everything that, that that they do in Atlanta. And you know they're taking their. I guess the difference is probably between last year and this year, when they were still pretty good last year on offense, is that now it's Quint Snyder ball on top of the talent that they have with Trey and Dejounte initiating. Um, they're not taking more threes and less mid rangers and like it looks like a modern offense um, when it kind of didn't a year ago under Nate McMillan. So. Uh, that's kind of the simple version, um, but I think it really does come down to like they're playing a lot of personnel that leans to offense. They have some interesting shooters. They have, again, Trey Young is playing really well the last couple of games in particular. And defensively, they're not as good as you might imagine, but um, they can score. They know their identity. While Snyder wants to preach defense because every coach does, I think deep down in the recesses of, their, of his mind, he knows it's an offense first team. and They kind of have to be this good on offense, and um, they have been pretty good on offense so far. I am blown away by the offense just I mean Quinn Snyder is is a favorite of mine in terms of how he coaches the way he wants to play offense they're getting it seems like they're getting a lot out of the guards it seems like they're getting a lot out of basically everyone on this roster right now like everyone is just humming I mean I certainly I think you know I I don't know what his health status is but Jalen Johnson I think being a real kind of upstart for them above a Sadiq Bay or, or some of the other options has been one of the cooler parts of this and seeing how he's really blossomed and turned into a dude for them. Um, but like what, what, aside from Trey, who is, you know, you look at the assistant percentage, you look at the assistant usage ratio, you look at his numbers, he's having a pretty monster year. Who has been the standout to you as far as the offensive side of the ball for Atlanta? 
Yeah, I mean, I'm glad you mentioned Jalen Johnson, who's not going to play on Tuesday, unfortunately. He's got this wrist injury. He's going to be out for a few weeks, but he's having a breakout, which is nice to see. Of course, sort of separate from the matchup that we're talking about now on Tuesday. He would have been high on the list, but also DeJounte Murray's been really cool the last week or so, but he had a really hot start to the season. And I think that's, it's kind of been interesting because he started out really hot and Trey did not. And now they've kind of changed. And now Trey's kind of found his voice and found his game. And as far as the shooting perspective, because Trey's all with his passing and playmaking is always there. But when it comes to him making, knocking down shots, whereas DeJounte's got a, got a little bit cold, but having two guys who can do that, similar in some ways to what the Caps have, having two you know, smaller guards who can get their offense um, and, and also distribute. Um, individually, I think those would be the two guys you have to circle on offense. B- besides Trey would be Jalen, who's not playing, and DeJounte. But also a guy that I have to we say the name of is Bogdan Magnanovich, who I've always always said the Hawks are their best when he's when he's good and healthy mm-hmm. and I think healthy is the, big, is the big thing there with Bogdan he's had some knee issues in the past but he knock on wood he looks great physically right now and he's a bomber like he, he's one of the guys in the league even I think probably is underrated in fact I know he's underrated nationally of like just how good of a shooter he is and how willing of a shooter he is he will bomb he's not only a catch and shoot guy he can, get, he, can, he, can he can score off the dribble and uh, I think he unlocks them offensively in a way that gets underplayed. Still Trey's team and DeJounte after that. But I think Bogey, in particular on offense, does a lot for them. And uh, teams have to account for all the stuff he can do off the ball in particular. So when you look at Cleveland's defense, to me, it starts obviously with the bigs. It starts with Allen and Mobley. Brad, when you look at what teams have done to stop Atlanta, what, what, is, what has worked to whatever degree you can say it's worked considering the numbers are, are outrageous efficiency-wise? Yeah, I, I would say that um, at times it has worked when teams get hyper-aggressive to take the ball out of Trey's hands. There are mixed results on that, to be honest. The Hawks have gotten better and better at that, at sort of combating it the last couple of years. But on the wrong night for Atlanta, if you're blitzing Trey and you know doubling him everywhere and just basically playing the no Trey Young defense, um, it can be effective, especially now because of Jalen Johnson not being there. They're kind of at a shortage of passers and playmakers other than Trey. You know, Jante can kind of do that, but Jalen Johnson was doing a lot of that for them. And look, fundamentally, a team as that, that is as reliant as they are on Trey is going to not be at the same level if he's not as big of a part of the offense. That's kind of a very simple way to put it, but that has worked against them um, at different times. I don't know if Cleveland's going to do that necessarily, um, but I think without Jalen, it actually would be a better time to even do that. The problem is, of course, for defenses is that the Hawks have enough shooting in some of these lineups where you can't just leave Bogdanovich or Bay or some of these guys open because they're, they're going to kill you with three. So... I know Cleveland's always great at, at preventing corner threes. I saw that on their stat sheet the last couple of years. They've all been great at that. That's an area I'm circling in this game. Uh, can the Hawks create corner threes and can Cleveland stop them? But the other thing I would say is like the Hawks have turned the ball over more this year than they have in the previous two years, which does make sense, actually, when you kind of take a, a half step further down um, on what they're doing. They're playing more egalitarian. It's not just high pick and roll with Trey every play like it had been. Not every play, you know what I mean? Like it was a lot of volume of that. And when other guys touch the ball, when there's more player movement, when there's more ball movement, generally speaking, turnovers kind of inherently go up. And that's really the only area on the stat sheet that you can kind of find where the Hawks have been worse this year on offense. So if you can get them sped up a little bit, again, without Jalen in the lineup, they don't have as many ball handlers, as many facilitators, as many playmakers and decision makers, really, for me. That's an area where I'm a little bit concerned um, without Johnson, and that also applies to Tuesday. What interests you about Cleveland? We're gonna I, I, we're gonna have a guard conversation in <laughs> of segment two because like wh- how can you how can you not? But 
What what do you interest you about Cleveland as far as this matchup goes? Yeah, I mean, the big thing is, like you said, broadly speaking, the way that they'll be able to guard Atlanta. Um, I, I was digging a little bit to the numbers before we started talking about, you know, Cleveland's kind of uneven start. I know a lot of that's injury based, but like you mentioned at the very top of this conversation, like how they've been playing a little bit better recently. And they are now closer to full strength, it appears like, you know, especially the big four, big five are all going to be there in this game. But, you know, what interests me is basically, are they going to play any differently against Atlanta than they do typically? Because it seems to me like these are two teams that kind of do what they do in some ways. And that can be interesting when they kind of clash. They play in the preseason, too. I'm sure you remember that game. It was not you know mm-hmm. the most high intensity game in the world, but it was there was a little bit of a window. It's like six weeks ago when they actually played. I'm, I'm really just curious to see how they guard, especially because of the fact that the Hawks are going to be playing small. Like the Cavs play these two big lineups and the Hawks kind of have to play small right now. They don't have what I would describe as a natural power forward on their available roster tomorrow. So it's very interesting. Like the Hawks are going to play one big all the time. Maybe they occasionally go two bigs with the Kongwu. But like it's one team is much bigger than the other. And I wonder how much that's going to come into play. Coming up next, let's get into the guards. And specifically, I, I want to talk about how teams defend Trey Young, how teams are going to defend Cleveland, and what options these two teams had in this match. And we'll talk about that up next. Today's episode is brought to you by today's title sponsor, and that is our friends at FanDuel. Right now over at FanDuel, they have Cavs, Hawks, Odds, Cleveland, is a minus five favorite in this game as far as the spread goes. As far as the money line goes, Cleveland's minus 205, Atlanta plus 172. And right now, new customers at FanDuel get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That is $150 if your team wins. So you could pick Cleveland or Atlanta, get that winner right, get some bonus bets. Their app is easy to use. They have spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Right now, visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official sportsbook of LockedOn, and also an official partner of the NFL. Brad, so what interests me about this game, just because both the teams made these big trades about guards, um, for guards, excuse me, they both have guards that you can pick on defensively, let's say. I think Darius Garland and Shurian, those are guys that will get attacked at times when the games really matter. I'm curious tomorrow to see how both aggressive teams are about that because Donovan Mitchell trying to make Trey Young work defensively feels like something Cleveland should try to do a lot. But Cleveland's offensive late has been has felt stuck in the mud at times. Mitchell is dealing with his hamstring injury, so how much are you going to lean on him? And then on the on the flip side, this is one of those games where. How Cleveland defends the guards is going to be really interesting because Max Struess is probably the guy they're going to throw on Trey to start. But then Okoro plays 10 minutes the other night. He just came back from injury. This is a game where I think it maybe demands Okoro chasing around Trey Young a little bit, but then he gives Trey Young a place to hide. There's so many machinations with these mm-hmm. guards. So what, what interests you the most about how these two backcourts match up? Yeah, like you said, it's it's these teams are... In the backcourt, these these two, they're not the same players, but, you know, having the, the parallels are undeniable, right? Um, these two scoring guards, uh, one of whom on both sides is a better passer, for instance. Like, I think Garland is a great passer, as is Trey. Um, Murray and Mitchell are a little bit more score first in some respects, but both guys can pass and facilitate. I think you're going to see a lot of cross matches, I would imagine. Like, you already mentioned it. Um, I don't think Trey and Donovan are going to guard each other very much in this game. Um, and it's kind of interesting to, like, in the past, the Hawks have tried to hide Trey on whoever the 
the infamous fifth starter was for Cleveland for a long time. Yep. It's harder to do that now with Max Struess. Like, Trey's guarded Max Struess a lot, dating back to Miami and playoff series and stuff like that. But, like, that's not a great spot for a Trey to have to hide. I will say, for those people in Cleveland, Trey's actually competing on defense this year. This has mm-hmm. been, I would say, by far his best defensive season to this point. Um, you know, we'll see if that continues. But he's way more invested and way more active. And look, he's still small. He gets picked on. That's going to happen. But he is not uh, quite the... Um, Let's just say his reputation is not where he, where he's, the way he's playing right now. That's the, that's the kind way to put it on defense. So I'm, I'm circling that. Yeah. How Cleveland, like, obviously, I think there's ways you can still go at him, but it, it's Of course, it's right. like the teams not, do. They, it's, every team yeah. does. Every team tries to go at Trey, and they're not going to, they don't stop just because he's playing better. The scouting report is maybe out there, but no teams are still going to target him as, as they should, frankly. So what 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 is it about how he's playing that makes him a little bit better defensively? I think more honestly the the big thing this is very broad on purpose and I'll sort of dive down further is that he is he is more attentive and more engaged. I think he's I think for whatever reason Snyder and his messaging has gotten through to Trey like hey Trey we just need you to to be engaged. We know kind of we know what your limitations are um and we know that we're going to cover for you. That's just the way that the game works and I'm sure it happens at Cleveland too with Donovan and Darius on different nights and um, you can't expect those guys to play great defense every night, but um, just using what his his tools actually are, like he's become a really good dig guy, for instance. Like he's got good hands. He's very smart. Trey Young, underrated. Like he's a very, very, very smart basketball player. And when you use that on defense, you can get deflections and you can kind of just be a, a be a, a pest. Is the way I would say. Like he's still going to be physically limited, but he'll he'll draw a charge every once in a while. He'll get his hands in there. He'll make the right, he'll make the right rotation. And yeah, certain matchups. If he's one-on-one against Donovan Mitchell, that's not going to go well for the Hawks. It's just not. But on certain nights, he, he'll, he'll bow up every once in a while. So I think it's the big thing is engagement, but also I think it's just like playing to his strengths more. And the Hawks are playing a style broadly beyond Trey that's like a little bit more fitting of that. They're, they're playing less drop. Trey's worst characteristic probably is he can't, he can't get around a screen. He just dies on screens. But the Hawks are playing more blitz coverage. They're playing less drop. And that, that takes the heat off of not just Trey, but also DeJounte at the point of attack. So we'll see if they do that this game. But I think that's uh, it's kind of a combination of him trying harder in a simple term and also the Hawks kind of scheming not only around him, but kind of around their entire roster. What to you on the flip side interests you about the Cleveland backcourt as it's right now, how you think about it, what challenges that, that can show up in this game? What, what pops to you on the inverse here? Yeah, I think that the Hawks um, still, above all, honestly, have a weakness when it comes to their perimeter defense. Um, that for me, I, I screamed that last year all year long, that that was their biggest weakness. It still probably is now. And when you're facing a team that has these two dynamic guards, you have to have someone guard these guys. And that, that's very simple on purpose. But if you don't want to have Trey guard either one of them, DeJounte, I, I'm assuming, was going to have the first crack at Donovan in this game, if I had to guess. Um, but they've kind of wanted DeAndre Hunter to be more of a you know big wing defender, whereas like Cleveland doesn't really have a big wing to defend like that. Um, so maybe you'll see him more on a guard. They don't, they don't really want to do that. And the Hawks don't have um, great defensive talent. And, you know, you want to make other guys beat you similarly to the way the teams defend the Hawks. Like, you don't want to let Donovan beat you, I don't think. But I think at some point in, in this game, they're going to have to rely on DeJounte to guard one of them and hopefully game plan around the other one. And that's, it's tough because the Hawks just don't have great personnel to do that. I think you're going to probably have to see Trey guard Darius Garland for portions of this game. It's going to ha- that's going to happen. And if he can hold up there, 
that makes life easier. And again, I, I'm actually really curious to see if the Hawks play bigger in this game. And by bigger, I mean the Kongwu at the four next to Capella. They've not done that really at all. But with Johnson out, this is pr- a prime matchup to try that against the Mobley Allen backcourt. So like, that's what I'm circling. But as far as like how to handle these guards, at a certain point, you can't you can't handle them. But the Hawks are going to be playing a different way this year that I think Cavs fans might remember them playing in the past. It was a lot of drop, and now they're playing a lot more at the level of the screen, which you know has pros and cons, but I think that's the biggest change. The one thing that I would say that makes me curious about how much we could see Okongu and Capella together is that Cleveland of late, in this sense beyond the guards, is getting really good connectivity between Mobley and Allen on the offensive end. You will watch these games now, and one of them is getting the ball in the short roll, and then one of the other one is in the dunker spot, and they're getting teams two, three, four times a game which doesn't sound like a lot, but it adds up. Like that adds up. And sometimes that's all you need for one set to work that many times. And they're getting one of those guys a clean dunk. And it's usually wide open and it's emphatic and it feels like a moment. I think it's something that it partially exists, Brad, when teams do go a little bit smaller on them, when teams don't have another big. So I, even if there are some spacing sacrifices to be made... I do wonder if it's like, hey, let's put a Kongu and Capella out there and we trust them to be positionally smart, really handsy, not commit fouls, and just eat up that stuff a little bit. Because if you're going to design two bigs to defend those two guys, it might be those two guys as far as squeezing them together. They're both really smart. I, You know this from, from us talking privately. I love a Kongu. I just absolutely adore that guy. <laughs> and he's so smart. He's so good. That could be something that I think Cleveland should look to exploit, particularly when like Sadiq Bay is on the floor. And then, but if they go with the two bigs, I wonder how the how that action looks like, or if that's if that's going to show up at all in the Atlanta game in the Atlanta scouting report here. Yeah, not to not to make it too Hawks deep dive specific, but the, the Hawks really have a a stark lack of options defensively at the at the three and really the four spot right now with Jalen out of the out of, out of action they played all 48 minutes on Saturday on Sunday I should say with either DeAndre Hunter or Sadiq Bey on the court because they're really their only two power forwards and DeAndre Hunter's mostly been a three in his career he can play a little bit at the four Sadiq Bey has um, let's just say broad defensive weaknesses he's not a very good defender on the whole so and look the Hawks have not shown really a lot of willingness to play a Kong with the four I'm kind of speculating but it's a perfect storm of opponent how you just laid out and because, you know, Mobley, Mobley and Kongwu, US, USC guys that I'm sure that I'm sure they're relatively cl- They're close in age and they've, I'm sure they've interacted quite a bit, but it's just, if, if the Hawks are ever going to do it without Jalen Johnson and against this Cavs team and with all of the Hawks defensive issues that they have, because they just don't have any depth there right now. Like it, it's really ugly. Like Hunter sat, I think, I think he played 40 minutes on a back to back on Sunday. That's the kind of thing, like, they know it, too. They, they don't want to take him off the court. Not that he's a stopper, either. Hunter's a pretty good defender, but he's not a game changer. But if he's off the court, you're talking about Bogdanovich and Sadiq Bey together, or, you know, that kind of... Those those are ugly options defensively. So I think that if I had to guess, this is the spot to try it. And maybe it'll be 10 minutes, maybe it'll be 4 minutes, maybe it'll be 0 minutes. I don't know. But um, I, I'd be intrigued by it, because they're kind of... Again, much like the guards are, to bring this thing full circle, that Okongwu-Capella partnership is... You know, it's... it's Fairly similar to what Mobley and Allen could be if the Hawks did that more often, because they haven't done it. You know, the Cats do it all the time. They haven't done that on the Hawks side, and I get why. Offensively, it's pretty limiting when you have those two guys, but I'd be uh, very, very interested to see a lineup or at least a, a stretch with Trey, DeJounte, Akongwu, and Allen, uh, sorry, Akongwu and Capella out there against Darius, Donovan, Mobley, and Allen, just to kind of see it for, for once. 
I personally would like to see it as well, just for my own fun. Uh, injury reports. Injury report for this game could be Buffkin out for Atlanta. Uh, Mohamed Gueye is out for Atlanta. I totally butcher the name. I apologize. Jalen Johnson out for Atlanta, and thank you, Brad. Seth Lundy and Miles Norris out on two ways for Atlanta as well. For Cleveland, Ty Jerome still out with an ankle issue. Isaiah Mobley out with on the two-way. Ricky Rubio not with the team, obviously. And Dean Wade remains out with a right ankle sprain. Donovan Mitchell not listed with the hamstring. No Darius Garland listing with his neck issue. So aside from Jalen Johnson, and you could throw Dean Wade in there, I guess. most Both these teams are coming in fairly healthy. All right, one more break, come back. Let's talk about the in-season tournament. It's cu- likely coming to an end for both of these teams. Was it good? We'll talk about it. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at PrizePix, which is the number one DFS platform in North America. That's pretty darn cool. They are the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you versus the numbers. Pick more or less than on two to six stat projections and watch those winnings roll in. With the basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League. That's a league created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, LeBron James and Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three-pointers made and receptions is a thing you can do. Go to pricepicks.com backslash LockedInNBA and use our code LockedInNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com backslash locked in NBA code locked in NBA for your first deposit match up to $100 prize picks daily fantasy sports made easy Brad are you in or out on the in-season tournament now that for Cleveland and Atlanta it's probably over barring something miraculous I'll pull up the scenarios here and talk through them at the end but are you in or out yeah, I was hoping you were going to read the scenarios in painstaking detail on this podcast. So I hope you're going to do that in a second. Uh, but no, I, I am in. I've been saying this. I've been in the whole time. And my general take is it's it's kind of a boring one, but I think that there's just no harm in it. I, I'm enjoying it. The courts are potentially offensive on some level. Some of the courts are pretty bad. The Hawks court's been pretty good. It's actually this light blue that they uh, it was not too bothersome to the eye. But yeah, no, I, I like the end season tournament. I, I don't think it's going to change anybody's life in year one, but I think the secretly, I don't know if you've heard this feedback, it feels like teams kind of care. I mean, I'm not saying they care yeah. like it's a playoff series, but it seems like at least the teams that I've interacted with, I've talked to the people about the Hawks and some of the other teams around the league, let's just say, teams seem to care. Players, coaches, um, and by the way, like Tuesday's game is a good example. The game still counts. Like, we we both acknowledge this is not going to probably matter for the season tournament, this Hawks-Cavs game, but it still matters in the standings, and these are two teams that would like to get a win, I'd imagine, against each other. So, like, no harm done, and I, I'm pretty intrigued by it, honestly. I'm with you. And, and if there's actually a game that told me that guys cared, one that I watched in real time, it was Atlanta-Indiana. You don't have a game like that if you don't care. At a certain point, Indiana might have just been like, ah, you know, or Atlanta might have been like, okay, like, let's just, let's just pack it up. Like, that happens. You can see those business decisions made in real time. Yeah. Those teams cared, and I think teams generally care I think everyone has different reasons for caring in two different levels, right? I think the, maybe the, the the most public example we've seen of like an older guy is LeBron talking about how he wanted to get everyone else that doesn't make a lot of money paid, which is very cool. That's a very valid reason. Yep. Um, I think it, I, I, I in Cleveland and Atlanta's group, Brad, I liked it in Indiana, even though like it would have been cool to see Cleveland and or like get to cover them in, in that tournament in Vegas. 
And I'm sure you feel the same way. It's like, okay, like that would have been cool. Instead, you're going to have like a grab bag of games added to the schedule. You're going to need to like figure out and like readjust your life around. Super fun. That's like first world problem, but it's what it is. Indiana getting to go and with how good that offense has been and the way Halliburton's playing, that's cool for them to get to play for something and not only earn more money, but get a chance to play in higher stakes games, probably against really good competition. That in itself is cool. Here are the tiebreakers. Um, NBA.com, thank you for doing this so I didn't have to like think about it. Atlanta will clinch a wild card if the following occurs. I'm going to count them off with my fingers. And it's a that. lot. Say that it's a lot. It's a lot. It, it's a lot. Atlanta wins. The Knicks lose. Miami loses. Boston loses. Brooklyn loses. <laughs> and then Atlanta finishes second in the group and wins a tiebreaker over any second place team from another group. So Atlanta needs like seven things to go right. And just th- that that last one to win a tiebreaker means they have to beat teams in the point differential like Cleveland and Philadelphia. And that takes like margins and like that's the seventh thing. But that's like almost like three other things. Like there's actually more like it's like 10 or 11 things long after that happen. So it's crazy. Yes. Yes. Cleveland. They have two options. Here's the simpler one. They win, the Knicks lose, the Heat lose, Boston loses, and Brooklyn loses. So they win, and f- those other four games go their way, they go. The other way, Cleveland wins, and then they win a tiebreaker over every second place team from the groups with a 3-1 record. So they would also have to just run it up on Atlanta. Yeah, uh, that's the other thing. Like, This is one of those games where i actually be interested to see if one team pulls ahead by double digits. like. There's been some consternation on all sides of this about how much how much teams should put should try to keep scoring. This is one where like it's even weirder because objectively they're not likely to make either teams not likely to make it. So you could argue point differential, especially the Hawks. Right now the Hawks are minus nine, right in the tournament. Mm-hmm. The Cavs are plus six, and the Cavs are two and one. So even if just for the Hawks to get past the Cavs, they have to win by fifteen or more. On the road, in addition to everything else. And then you factor in the Sixers, who are also plus nine. So that means I'll have to win by at least 18 to even get in the mix. So that seventh tiebreaker we talked about, that's an 18, 19 point margin. I'll have to rack up in addition to the other seven things. So I have a feeling this is going to be one of those games that does not have a huge emphasis on point differential at the end of it. That's just my guess. It might be close, which might be part of it too. Yeah, I think this should be a really competitive game. Barring just like th- this can happen. Things can get wonky and fall off the rails. It just happens sometimes. I think you could just be in a situation where this is like a five-point game and both these teams are like, okay, we didn't make it. and they, But they're not going to know in real time either. Like I can't... Like I mean, you know how insane it would be to have like an assistant coach like tracking this on the sidelines being like, hey well, guy, like, they, they probably might have should. to... Well, yeah. the one you mentioned it, the, the one that is the least likely to happen is Boston losing at home to Chicago in a game they're trying to win. Boston's going to be I, a very large favorite I, in that game. Um, what are you saying about the Chicago Bulls, Brad? That they're what not particularly saying? good at basketball this season. Chris, you want to guess no. the line? You want to guess the line for that game? I was about to look it up. So now, yeah, I will guess it. Uh, I bet our friends at FanDuel have Boston by 11. 12 and a half. Okay. Well, that tells you all you need to know. If you um, if you pick up straight up minus nine hundred plus six ten for the Bulls, <laughs> sure, yeah. So that and that's one again. That's only one of the five results that have to happen. Yeah, but that's the most likely. So I like the NCAA tournament. You do too. Um, it's unfor. I, I was really hoping this game was going to be like for a spot. 
It would have been awesome. Yeah, same. To yep. cover a game like that, that like if even if one of the teams were, was closer, I, I kind of I wish one of these teams had like a pl- had a, a, like a win and in kind of scenario. And unfortunately, they they don't. But um, I, you know, I still think that because the game matters and because both teams are relatively healthy, other than Jalen Johnson, you know, the Cavs are not having a great season by what they wanted to have happen so far. The Hawks are eight and eight. They're going to want to win this game. Like there's going to be plenty of sticks. Yeah, I I think this game is going to be fun. I kind of hope. I, I think this quote-unquote rivalry between the two teams, as much as one exists, I think is interesting. There's so much contrast, but also similarity. It's going to be fun. Brad, thanks so much for doing this with me. Uh, I am. I wish we were getting some real stakes, but I guess we'll take what we can get. We will take it. I appreciate you doing this. Perhaps we'll do it again later on in the season if these two teams uh, remain. And they're close in the standings right now. So we'll we'll be talking more, I have a feeling. There could be some playoff implications. you know. And you and I just like talking about basketball. So thanks for having me, Chris. That, I appreciate it. That we do. Brad, basketball is good. It is. It is good. All right, that's going to end this episode. Talk to y'all after Cavs Hawks. Evan and I will be recapping that one. Brad will be covering it over on Locked on Hawks as well. Have a good Tuesday, everybody. <laughs>